everybody! Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View at the Roswell 1999 edition. I am one of your co-hosts, Emily, and I have seen season two. I am one of your co-hosts, Megan, and I have seen so much of season two. I'm, we're so close to the finale. It's really exciting. So close. So we're excited to be back. We're excited to be podcasting. But in reality, I should be working on my book. I should probably take another nap. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but instead. But instead. We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. We're making a, we're making a podcast. <laughs> oh, listen, Megan and I are video chatting, but I just want to let you all know it's a crying shame. You can't see the video of us because one, my hair looks freaking amazing today. I don't know what it is that I've done differently, but today was just such a good hair day. I'm like currently actively grieving the way that it will it will not look this way tomorrow. Something in her air and manner of walking. <laughs> so that's where I'm at today. And I have some makeup on because <laughs> I thought I had a Zoom this morning. Wait, listen, listeners, whole thing. Don't do all-nighters. They're bad for you. And I wasn't even doing it for work. I literally stayed up till 7 a.m. doing fan art because I'm so close to my Magnus <laughs> Archive boards. And then I was like, I wonder if I have any meetings scheduled for tomorrow. So I Googled today's date, which I thought was the 14th. <laughs> I and, say, and I Googled if I had a meeting today. No, sorry. In my, in my <laughs> Gmail, I just did a search for today's date which I thought was the 14th, and it's like, oh my gosh, I do have a meeting at 10 a.m. Oh no. And I thought, well, I'll just take a little nap before my meeting. And then I got in bed and I was like, okay, but like, what if I don't wake up? I'm like, I'll just stay awake till 10 o'clock. I mean, I'm it's already 7 a.m. How much harder is it to stay up till 10 a.m.? And at 9.30, when I'm putting all of my makeup on and looking super cute in my outfit, I looked at my phone and today's date was the 13th. And my meeting was actually tomorrow, and I'd lost three whole hours of sleep I could have had. <laughs> so I just went right to bed in my makeup. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you got to do. All right. Well, are we ready to talk about... Uh, once again, me making an incredible prediction that comes true. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's baby time. Ugh. It's baby time. I'm sure you heard me <laughs> screaming at the end of our last episode, but Tess and Max get Twilight pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Not Twilight Zone pregnant. Not Twilight Stephanie Zone Stephanie Meyer pregnant. Twilight. Vampire. Yeah. Baby mind reading. Hyper accelerated pregnancy pregnant. So. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't anticipate us talking about anything extremely heinous, but we're going to be talking about pregnancy and there may be some goofy medical mishap stories that get shared. So if you don't like talking about those sort of things, and if you don't like Megan goofing on those sort of things, <laughs> this might not be the episode for you. Listen, we have so much to talk about about this episode because not only of what happened, but how everyone reacts to it oh. and, and <laughs> i'm so bad i'm 
so mad. Okay. Do you want to tell people while you're mad? Yeah, you wanna... I'll tell. Okay. You know yeah, I'll tell the people. I hate Max. I hate him. Did you guys listen to the last episode in which he was in everyone's business and like actively destroying Isabel's life? Because things go south with the pregnancy in this episode, and Max feels, of course, very, very badly about this, everyone just forgives him for being terrible. And I'm like, now, now listen, you can support your friend and sympathize with him through this, but I'm... We're going to have to watch it again because it's been a while since we watched it. But I'm pretty sure Isabel says something like, oh, the stuff we were fighting about last week seems so unimportant now. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no! <laughs> oh. Sidebar, do you see this slash on my wrist? Uh, yes. Kenobi took a flying leap out of my arms. Got Aww. me. Baby. Howie. Well, um, I want you to know, can you see this scratch? Oh, no. What happened? I actually can't. You're- uh olivia at chris thanksgiving time i know launched herself off of my arm and i have had she scarred me this is why this is why you got to try and teach your cats not to jump out of your arms <laughs> sorry that was that it was, is not my responsibility to do that for I know. your cat sorry. emily that was me telling the audience she's not your cat dummy she's my cat do you not Just remember bit, me telling cat. everyone over Christmas I'm trying to teach her not to jump out of people's arms? Did you not listen? I, I thought you were criticizing us the way no. that we handled your cats. No. I'm criticizing me for my handling of my cats. <laughs> listen, my cats don't just leap willy-nilly, but sometimes they leap william nilly <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get started with Roswell, Season 2, Episode 19, Baby, It's You. Baby, it's and you! We- yeah, <laughs> the Yeah. Yeah, the one I need! <sighs> anyway, Maria. Oh, oh, sorry, you go. No, you go. I was going to say, we open with another one of Maria's sum- summations. Which, I'm glad this is recurring. Uh, this is me being dumb. Has this been happening all of season two or just the second half of season two? The second half of season two. Okay. I think it was a good move. Mm-hmm. I do, too. Uh, and she's giving us the previously on, which is Liz has decided that Alex has been murdered by an alien. And all of the aliens hate her guts because of it. Even though... Mm-hmm. They represent only four of the billions of aliens in the galaxy. (laughs) Even though aliens have tried to kill multiple of them before, they're like, this time it's different because we didn't actually, ugh. Anyway, and then uh, Tess and Max bumping uglies at the Griffith Observatory. (laughs) Not well, I like... That's not body positive. <laughs> Smoosh and booty at the Griffith Observatory. <laughs> We're not shaming anyone's downstairs No here. shaming here. So uh, speaking of Maria's kind of introduction, she was talking about how, yes, Max and Tess did kiss, but it was just one little indiscretion. How bad could it be? And then you immediately smash cut into them lying on the floor of the Griffith Observatory. With their pants uh, on, but their shirts off. There you go. And, and uh, when we were watching this episode, 
for a second, I was super hopeful where I'm like, oh, oh, okay, maybe they didn't go all the way last episode and I'm making a mountain out of nothing. And then they cut to this shot and I was like, yeah! <laughs> I'm being victimized by this show. <laughs> <laughs> you may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> uh, support us on Patreon. <laughs> We don't have the a Patreon. Patreon we yet. will have one day, maybe, perhaps. And then you guys can pay me money for all the suffering I have suffered. And, <laughs> and you can pay Emily money for all the suffering she imagined suffering about Tien, even though she didn't actually read what happened. <laughs> I suffered, though. It happened. <laughs> you don't know how I suffer. You're going to back charge everybody for all the suffering that you've experienced. <laughs> yep. But yeah, they wake up there and they sneak back into the sheriff's house. And this kind of gave me, um, this kind of gave me Viva Las Vegas vibes where the sheriff is there and Tess is like, oh, I'm so glad I'm an orphan um, because they get caught, right? They get caught. Yeah. By oh, the yeah. sheriff. Yep. <laughs> I'm just laughing because this scene is so funny. Because Kyle's on the couch watching from underneath yes! his blanket. So yeah, not only do they get caught by the sheriff, but Kyle sleeps on the couch. So he's just witnessing this. Kyle, yep. who's just yep. recently declared Tess his sister. Yep. Stupid. <laughs> And here's the interesting thing with the sheriff, because Max is trying, he, I don't know what he's going to try and explain to the sheriff. I have no idea. Um, but the sheriff is just like, go home, Max. We're, we're going to talk about this later. Simba. And everybody knows about that. <laughs> in the previous episode, I think it's the previous episode, uh, or one of the previous episodes where, after Liz has been caught sneaking into the school uh, and the sheriff goes to Max to find out what's going wrong. I mean, he sees Max as the leader of this group, but all of a sudden Max has been thrust back into the troubled teen uh, category. And so it's just, it's all over the place. <sighs> and then in the most Twilight scene ever, Tess goes upstairs as she's just looking at herself and her normal teenage body in the mirror. And then she just goes, oh my gosh. And then we cut. And I'm like, no! We cut to the credits. And I'm screaming. Because like, no! Megan immediately no! knows what is happening. I knew when you told me the title of the episode. No! It's because I'm so finely attuned to these storytelling choices and plus <laughs> uh, like super fast pregnancy is a trope right mm -hmm. you get it in star trek all the time deanna there's that one ball of light episode that was all weird uh mm -hmm. you have it in twilight as we've mentioned and it's just it's a body horror thing that oh my gosh mm -hmm. i'm super mm -hmm. fast pregnant Arrgh. there's a fringe thing about that oh yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a one in Doctor Who where Amy wasn't in her body while she was pregnant. 
Mm-hmm. And then she woke oh, up that's and right. she's all the way pregnant. And she's like, ah! it's like the horse head with the godfather except with the baby instead. <laughs> For me, I think where it, it goes into horror is the... I mean, when you get pregnant, you can watch it happen slowly and kind of like prepare for it. But when it happens ultra super fast, it just like, that's what freaks me out is all of a sudden like you're running out of time. You don't have time to prepare or like, I don't know. That's what freaks me out about it. Yeah. And mostly there's like no, there's no willingness. There's no consent in any of these super fast pregnancy storylines. It just is like, Mm -hmm. shuck, a baby. And I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Okay, so um, body horror. I don't want to get into it, get into it, but like, what are some of the things that just like, what is, what's a body horror where you're just lotion. like, if that happened to me, I would die. <laughs> lotion. <laughs> I lotion, I will die. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, there's a storyline in the Magnus archives mm-hmm. where Dilly if you haven't listened to season three yet, don't listen to this. <laughs> Although at the rate she's going, she may have got there. Anyway, uh, one of the characters gets kidnapped by an insane circus of mannequins that want to be real people. And they decide they need his skin. And he's kidnapped for three weeks. And they just put lotion on him the whole time. They don't torture him. They don't. They just keep him tied up, and then they put lotion on him. And I'm like, honestly, this is literally the scariest thing that's happened in this show. And and there's a bit where he finally gets unkidnapped, and no one even realized he was gone. (laughs) Because, you know, he goes off on adventures, and he goes off and he does things. And so they're like, oh, that was against your will. Oh, no. And, um... It's very funny where someone was like, was it horrible? And he says, well, yes, but, I mean, my skin feels amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to think about mine. Like, like, I don't mind, okay, this is kind of a roundabout thing. I don't mind violence in movies or TV shows. Like, I don't mind if I'm watching, you know, Lord of the Rings and there's, you know, they're just slaughtering orcs wholesale, that sort of thing. But when it goes to, like, the individual, like, a torture scene or whatever, I immediately, like, nope out of there. I'm like, absolutely not. No, thank you. Oh, there's a stabbing scene in the village that is, like, one of the scariest things I've seen. So scary. Because they don't put a shink noise on the knife. (laughs) So it feels realer. Human flesh, soft noise. Soft noise. <laughs> oh, um, all I know that is, is if I were in an accelerated pregnancy situation, I would absolutely freak the freak out. It would be, I, I would not handle it well. I would not handle it well at all. All right. Now, I'm not just saying this to be a hero, but I think I would handle it well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope someone would, you know. <laughs> um, body horror. I get dreams about getting my head cut off a bunch, but I don't die. So I just walk around with a head that doesn't fall off. There you go. Spooky. Yeah, I think my most my most stressful dreams. I mean, I have like the teeth falling out dream. I think everybody does. Oh, and then sometimes oh. it happens to you in real life and it's so scary. <laughs> Because you listen to the Magnus Archives, and, and that's why it happened to you. With a tooth thing. 
<laughs> two thing. No, my actually my most stressful dreams, the ones that stay with me for days and days and days are in my dream. I show up to a show that I'm in, you know, like a community theater show or whatever. And I've been practicing for the wrong show all season and it's opening night and it's a different show that I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. Another opening, another show. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, those are my worst dreams ever. Ever, ever, ever. They stress me out for days afterwards. And let's talk about Liz's latest discovery in her detective work. Yes, she's sitting down and telling Maria what she's found out. And she's showing her the picture, the specific picture she's talking about with Alex and his girlfriend, his Swedish girlfriend, Leanna, standing in front of this building, which now Liz knows was torn down several years ago. Uh, and so she's showing Maria and she's explaining the math that if Alex had really gone to be in front of this building, he would have been 10. That's the last time the building was standing and the only time Alex could have gone and taken a picture in front of it. And I wish we knew what building it was. Like if it had some sort of like significance to like Sweden or whatever. I don't, I would bet it's not a real building. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't think it is. I'm just saying for the sake of the show, uh-huh. it would have been interesting. Because it, it really is a very nondescript, you know, mm-hmm, nondescript mm-hmm. one. So, But Liz is just explaining, like, I can't do this by myself. And Maria's like, you don't have to. Like, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. And I'm just like, yes. Finally, Liz is getting people on her side because the, the kind of hard part up to this point is Liz is kind of the only one who thought this, who thought that something might be really wrong uh, with the circumstances surrounding Alex's death because Maria is just asking her to please grieve like a normal person. All the aliens are upset that, you know, she's accused them personally, them and only them, just those aliens. No other aliens could ever have done this uh, of killing Alex. But now we have Maria on board Maria. and and that I I think Maria would be the most important person um, to be on Liz's side. Yeah, like more so than I'm more so than Max, more so than anybody else because because of their friendship. Because Max is garbage. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Max being garbage, mm-hmm. he wants Isabel to coddle him and his feelings in this next set, in this next scene. And he's like, okay, so so Max has just gone through something very emotionally huge um, by having mm-hmm. sex for the first time. And mm-hmm. he wants a confidant to talk about it with, which is reasonable and that is good. But, like, Isabel's not the one, buddy. Like, not the way you've been treating her. Like, she's trying to shut him out and give him the silent treatment. And he's like, something really important happened to me. And I just need someone to talk about it with. And, uh... She's not, you know, kind about his feelings at all. She's she's Mm-mm. pretty mean about it because I don't know if you guys remember. He threatened to blow up her life in the last episode. He's like, I will tell everyone you cheated on every test. I will tell you plagiarize every paper. I will physically drag you back to Roswell, New Mexico if you try to leave. And then in the next episode, he's like, I have feelings. And she's like, no sh- Sherlock everyone has feelings (laughs) and you hurt mine yeah he's like trying to beat her on the bush it's so interesting because he walks into the room she's getting ready to go on a run he's trying to make small talk 
Like the audacity of this boy, the utter gall of this person. And he's just like, I, I have something I need to talk to people about. And I, I uh, uh, like just basically what you said. And she just gets the chair out from the table, slams it down and just sits there with her arms folded. And he's stumbling over his words, trying to explain what happens. And she's like, oh, you slept with her. Like she totally guesses what it is. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she calls him, oh, his majesty will now retire to his room. Listen, I'm on Isabel's side. Yeah. And I hate Max, and it doesn't get better at the end of this episode, because while something bad does happen to Max, bad things can happen to bad people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's he was he's just kind of saying, like, well, it, it's just happened. Like, it just happened. It just happened. And he's like, and now... I feel weird about it. And Isabel's like, I don't care. I don't care. But you know who does care? <laughs> Tess. Tess cares deeply. So Max goes to school the next day and Michael and Tess. Wait, 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 wait. Can I can I can I say something first before we before we move on? Mm, I don't think we have time. Stop it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. Right. Um, So when he's like, I feel a little weird about it. And Isabel comes back with the zinger of like, I don't care what you're feeling because my feelings don't matter to you. Like, Max, take this as a teaching moment that you can't just treat people the way you've been treating them and then expect them to come back and treat you the way you want to be treated with niceness and kindness because you are not being that way to everybody else. And it's just interesting where he's like, oh, I wanted some sympathy. And and Isabel's like, why would you come to me for that? You know, I mean, I guess he could say like, well, because you're my sister. But like, it's just so interesting to see what he expects from other people. And like this really, I mean, this is a big departure for Max from like him being the kid behind the tree sort of a thing. Now he's the tyrant atop the throne sort of thing. Too far in the other direction, Max. Go, go back to your roots. Go a little bit closer go to back. The, you don't have to be behind it, but at least touch grass by the tree. <laughs> go touch some grass. Oh, he's like, it has not quite gotten through to him that other people have internal lives. Mm-hmm. And he expects everyone to do kind of like what you were saying he expects everyone to do everything he asks of them because he's asking them and they should just listen to him and Mm -hmm. that is not the case um he shows up and tess is there and it's it's interesting the way that they they played this off because a lot of times uh like if someone changes their mind you know about the morning after they'll do everything they can to avoid each other Mm -hmm. you know and make it awkward but but tess is there waiting for max she doesn't really have the sort of hang-ups that he's having she's just happy to see him and max is still feeling a little weird about it and so when michael comes up you got max like yelling like oh it's michael hi michael Listen, if we can learn anything from this episode, it is this. Do not have sex because you will get pregnant and you will die. And you will die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
but it's like a big deal where Max grabs Tess's hand in front of the whole school, and it's all <laughs> romantic. <laughs> so romantic. Um, but he's like, uh, Tess is saying, hey, it's better to keep this between the two of us right now. Like, Tess doesn't want anybody to know. Sorry, did she tell and him baby in that scene? No, no. Okay, I was together. like, wait, wait, I missed something. <laughs> so this is when he takes her hand in front of, yeah, it's it's a big deal walking down the hallway. They're holding hands. Everyone can see that they are now officially together. And we've got Michael, Isabel, and Kyle all looking like they don't know how they feel about this. I mean, Isabel clearly is not happy about this, but now the king and queen are together but Emily there's a lot of layers as to why Isabel is unhappy and one of mm -hmm. those layers is two of her boyfriends have died recently yep it's <laughs> yep. a pretty big layer actually it's a big layer oh yeah that's something else is Max's whole horrible threatening everything mm -hmm. I don't think Max has even expressed a moment of sympathy about the death of Graham or Alex to Isabel yeah, we don't get any any sibling, you know, character building moments. It's just this happened to Isabel and it feels like she's dealing with it all on her own because she can't go to her mom really about Grant and be like, oh, by the way, the dude that you didn't like, he's dead now. Because <laughs> the 900 I'm sure his... year old geologist will never <laughs> see another day. And I mean, Alex is very, is much more obvious, but she and Alex were a newer item publicly. I think, I think privately they had been a thing for much longer. And so, yeah, Isabel has, I think Isabel has a lot of feelings, even though she comes off as very aloof. She's not doing well. She's, um, she's sitting there in the bleachers outside in front of Alex's memorial that they've got on the football field. And Kyle comes down and sits next to her, doesn't say anything, and she just starts talking about how much she hates it here in Roswell, and she's just going to have to stay here and rot. Obviously, whatever Max has said to her, she believes, and she's pretty sure that uh, whatever, whatever she tries to do to go off and go to college, Max is going to do his best to thwart, which Megan... I hope I've never done that to you. I hope I've never crushed your dreams and told you that you can't do anything because I think that's one of the biggest betrayals is is someone someone like keeping other people from doing what they love. I have great news. If you ever <laughs> said anything, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> and I lived my dreams anyway. So really, you didn't stop me for even a second. <laughs> And in fact, Can't you support stop me, me on now. my dreams. I do. I believe in your dreams. Anyway, Isabel is sad looking at the face of her dead boyfriend. And then Kyle... And Kyle proves once again MVP. Kyle's time to shine. Kyle's this is it. Kyle's time to shine. He deserves it. I love him so much. I remember the first time through, like, I don't remember liking him this much. I'm just like, oh, he's... A character like I, I didn't really pay attention to him and I'm like oh, he might be my favorite I would say the because lovingly you didn't watch all of season one the first time you saw it <laughs> that's um, true 
So the change in Kyle from season one to season two is one of the things that makes him endearing. It's also one of the things mm-hmm. that makes Dad Sheriff uh, so much more enjoyable these days. Because <laughs> did you know that character growth and change is what people are compelled by? What? That sounds made up. I know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, makes no damn sense. Compels me, me though. though. So Kyle has come to sit with Isabel. And Meg, you'd mentioned this uh, when we first started season two, is that they were doing a much better job at throwing uh, random characters together. And we got to see a lot of characters interact that hadn't interacted in season one. Like we find out that Max and Maria ended up having like a much stronger friendship over that summer with Liz gone, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I like that... This friendship is not made a huge deal right now with Kyle and Isabel of just like, you never come sit with me or like, hey, I know we haven't talked much, blah, blah, blah. But it just kind of reinforces that like the the group has kind of merged. It's not just aliens versus humans anymore. They are actual friends. And Kyle I, has some amazing, oh, yes. Oh, I rolled my really, I rolled my eyes really hard at it's not aliens versus humans because... In Max's okay. mind, it is. In Max's and, mind, and that's it is. why I was I was rolling my eyes at Max, not at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Kyle comes up and has the best idea, Meg. I think that you've ever seen in this show. At least that's what you made it sound like. Listen, I just like casual use of powers, okay? And mm-hmm. Isabel and Kyle go on a mischief rampage with Isabel's alien powers. And uh-huh. play a whole bunch of pranks and goofs. And I'm like, yes, this is, a, now this is the kind of wacky time-wasting fun I've been missing. Yeah. Because he's just like, if I had a tenth of your power, and she's just like, what, what would you do? And he's like, I would have fun. Because we know that the aliens really only use their powers for very specific things. And only when it's like dire or you know but is it well okay i'm gonna take that back a little bit because when isabel and liz are hanging out in season one painting their toenails isabel changes the color of the toenail polish and so she's obviously used to using her powers in a little more casual way um but like michael was never good at it he never really got the chance to practice and we have max that we don't really see him i mean we see him do big things like bring liz back to life but we don't see a lot of other we don't see him use his powers for other things and i love that out of all of them isabel is the best human and the best alien like she's just good at everything and the only reason she's not the main character is she's a girl and she's pretty and (laughs) people are like oh that's not interesting. So they hype her up. She's she's literally, like you said, she's the most powerful. She's the smartest. She's the most attractive. And then she just has to do what Max says because his clone donor is king. And I hate it. So what's one of the first things they use the powers for? Uh, well, they get to go dream walking in a Playboy bunny's head. Mm-hmm. Now, let me let me check. Is she dreaming of exercise or are they, is she conscious and they are hanging out at the gym in astral plane form? I have no idea because I want to say it's a dream because there's a floating piece of cake that Kyle goes and breaks some off and feeds, feeds to this person. 
I guess it's her dream to, to let them eat cake. Maybe. Or like she's dreaming about like what she will do when she exercises. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird I dream. Would assume... And then they play it in slow motion as she's licking the cake off his fingers in a weirdly sexual manner. Oh, not weirdly, definitely sexual. No, it's weird to me that it is sexual. <laughs> okay. Um, but Isabel is the one who's also there and pulls them out immediately. And she's just like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, gross, Kyle. That's really gross. And so he's like, okay, so we won't do this again. But how much fun was that? Hey, let's go get revenge on your brother because he's awful. Does that sound like fun? And Isabel's like, actually, yes. There is a, okay, it's getting overshadowed by how much we hate the other storyline. But the detective work <laughs> continues in this episode. Um, and Maria approaches someone trying to figure out where the Leanna is not Leanna code email, which I would like to complain again that the phrase they gave us was not actually a real code. It it just like looked like a code, but is actual mm -hmm. nonsense and is non-decipherable in any way. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm upset about that still because I like a bit of mystery. <laughs> um. You but, like Googling the answer to the mystery? I will have you know, I spent minutes on that code. Minutes. And it was nonsense to me. And I was like, maybe I'm just having a slow day. So I, I did Google it after several attempts to solve it. To fight out its nonsense. <laughs> How dare you, Detective Diaz? I am your superior officer. Google! <laughs> Emily, have you seen any episodes of Game Changer from Dropout TV? No. Oh, um, wait, is that the one with Brandon? Yes, um, Brendan Lee Mulligan. Yes, yes, so, yes. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen clips of them at the at the podiums or everything. They just mm -hmm. had their season finale, and uh -huh. it was a surprise escape room <gasps> where they're in the, you know, the studio where they film. They're in their little green room area, and the host comes upstairs and says, hey, uh, I have to give you the opening spiel up here instead because we don't want you to see the stage until the episode starts. So we're going to start mm -hmm. the episode in here. And the, yeah. the three... It was Siobhan and Lou and Brendan, and they're like, okay, yeah, sounds reasonable, sounds great. And so Sam, the host, does his spiel, and then he leaves. And then there's just a, an insert shot of him putting a pack of cards on the table and an insert uh -huh. shot of him locking the door. And the the other contestants are like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll head up the bathroom before we go. We're like, I'll get snacks before we head downstairs. And the door is locked, and it's them slowly starting to realize that the crew has put together a full escape room in the green room it's very <laughs> funny uh you guys should get dropout tv just to watch that episode but apparently after that episode aired all of the local la escape rooms are now full and cannot be reserved anymore because so many people have done it are neutral to slightly negative on escape rooms correct yes not because i think they're stupid in any way i just feel stupid when i do them 
I love them. I <laughs> cried the last time I went to an escape room. No. Was that with me? Yes. Did I make you cry? No. It was cool, though, because that was the one where we had the blood to pour into the altar, right? Or was that a different one? That was not me, no. Okay. But we did do the Egyptian one. Okay. It was cool, but every time I found a clue, we have very enthusiastic people in our family. Anytime, anytime I found a clue, which I was very good at finding clues, but anytime I found a clue, someone would run over and snatch it out of my hand so they could solve it. And I was just kind of left standing there because I have no spine. Oh, no. And who, just kind of being like, who okay. Who possibly be the one who would be doing that to you? That doesn't sound like any Megan I know. It wasn't only you. Should have been. I love solving clues. (laughs) (laughs) You're very good at Listen, here's what I would do. I would come to an escape room if I could just sit in a corner and watch you guys solve it. Uh, I think that would be fun. Apparently, I think you should come to an escape room and just find all the clues, but I won't snatch them out of your hand. Okay, listeners, would you pay for us to go to an escape room? Oh, no. Oh, no. Because I think it would be amazing if you and me and then friends of the pod, Dilly and Ben and Ted and Jenny, did an escape room together. Oh, that would be so much fun. Listen, if That would be so much fun. I'd do that. If there has ever created a Stormlight Archive escape room, we gotta do Uh it. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean... You could make one. You could come up with a good but one. I want to solve the riddles. You want to solve it first. Okay, I get you it. You want to write the riddles. Please, writing's <laughs> the hard part. I want to solve it. You know, in nice. um, Parks and Rec, the storyline mm-hmm. where Leslie makes Ben this super extravagant mm-hmm. uh, thing. And then at the end, Ron Swanson is like, I, I, I want that. I also want that. I'm yeah. Ron in that situation. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, speaking of, again, riddles in the dark, uh, Maria is has a really great idea. She is sitting there reading back through the emails that Alex sent while they were he was in Sweden. And she gets the idea to track where the email was written because obviously it wasn't in Sweden. And so she goes to a classmate's house and says, I need you. She, well, first of all, <laughs> I, I don't think they had much faith in their audience to not know that this was completely wrong. But she prints out the email and says, I need you to find out where this came where this email came from. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's how but that it works. is illegal. It is illegal. And Maria's like, and? And he's like, okay. <laughs> anyway, Max and Tess are at a park. I don't want to talk about it. You talk about it. Okay. So Max is still feeling weird about it. And she's like, oh, you're so quiet. And he's like, no, I'm not. And and she's like, she kind of breaks him. She's like, now it's not the time to be pulling away. Like, basically, we took our relationship to the next level. Why are you doing this? Why are you being like this? And And Max just doesn't really know what to say in this situation he's trying to be there for this person that you know he has feelings for you know um and he he's kind of changing the subject about just like well 
you were gonna say something earlier to me at, at school but but what what were you gonna say like he 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 needs to fill the silence with something and she's like i don't really think it's the time like you know like this this isn't the time and he's like no 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 you can tell me and she goes cool i'm pregnant and you just see like Max's like whole world fall out from underneath him. <laughs> All right. Now, listeners, it takes. Now, I know this is an alien pregnancy and the parts aren't the same and the timeline's not the same, but it takes a significant amount of time between the deed and being able to tell when you are pregnant. Like, mm-hmm. I think the earliest you can even know is four or five weeks. And that's only if you're, like, actively checking. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny that, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about Breaking Dawn now, too. We're just like, the next day, they can just tell something's different. And I'm like, okay, magic. Fine. Here, Max, in the next scene, also gets to show what a stellar, stellar person he is. Because uh, Liz actually shows up to the sheriff's house. And Tess opens the door. And do you remember we kind of had a conversation with Tess and Liz back in season one when Liz shows up to Tess and Nisato's house mm-hmm. um, where she's like, Max, not that like Max is mine, but like Max is my boyfriend. Please stop doing what you're doing sort of a thing. But in this one, the tables are turned and, and Tess says, are you here to talk about me and Max? And Liz surprises her by saying, no, actually, I have some questions about your powers, like specifically mind control. And Tess is like, oh, okay, yeah, come in. Um, Liz does not get to ask any of her questions before Max shows up. I hate Max so much, you guys. He's becoming, (laughs) like, so detested. They're going to have to work so hard to bring him back around in season three but if mm-hmm. everybody just forgives him after this episode, I will never forget, and I will hate Max for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. So, get ready. I'm ready. Liz is just kind of like, immediately, okay, this is super awkward, I will leave, and Max doesn't exactly like stand in front of her and block the exit, but it's very clear from his body language and tone of voice that he is not going to let her leave until he gets an explanation for what's going on and basically he starts hounding her on like why are you here what are you asking Tess you know again does this have to do with with us killing Alex sort of a thing and Liz is just like no I'll 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 leave you know and but Max is just really real bad here it's so infuriating I'm just I'm just mad he's such an ass mm-hmm <sighs> But it's going to the part where he's, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of put together. He's just like, oh, so now Tess killed Alex and that's your new theory. And so he starts acting like a police detective and interrogating Tess about like, what were you doing the night Alex died? And like, just really being just a huge jerk. And, and, you know, and Tess and Liz are both like, whoa, 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 that's not what she's saying at all. And, oh, this, okay, this this line absolutely kills me because again max is just like okay we need an alibi for tess obviously if you you know or if you're suspecting her and kyle comes out and says we were watching a video for this class like she was with me and max says an alibi from one of your own and i'm like ooh, 
It's Max. Not. I remember how like 20 minutes earlier you're like, I'm glad it's not aliens versus humans anymore. And then Max is like, there's a us and there's a them. And I'm like, oh yeah. Flames? <laughs> flames on the side of my face. Burning? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Liz and Maria uh, decide that they're going to go investigate more on this, and they're all packing up to leave and go, and uh, guess who interrupts them as they're headed out? Oh, I don't know. I'm not quite there yet. Well, I'll let you know. It's the best boyfriend in the series, Michael. Oh, okay. Again, I, and I know Michael and Tess, sorry. <laughs> I was so close. <laughs> I know Michael and Maria. <laughs> write it down listeners 50 minutes in and i messed up the names uh i know that michael and maria are like a good like pendulum balance back and forth for each other Mm -hmm. um but i want him and liz together now remember in season one when they had such good chemistry Mm -hmm. i would like that to happen so you want maria and michael to break up for permanent now and you want Liz and Michael to get together. Who and Michael? Liz and Michael. Yes, I just said that. No, no, no. I'm I okay, I'm I'm setting oh, something sorry. up. Sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Do you want the thing that you just said you wanted? <laughs> what yes. I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm kind of getting at is what do you think would happen to Liz and Maria's friendship if that happened? If Liz and Michael became a thing. Well, I think it could only happen after Michael and Maria, like, said their goodbyes, went their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like, I do not foresee them, like, falling in love while Maria and Michael are still dating. Okay. But who knows? Maybe they'll have a horrible schism like Liz and Max did. Maybe they will. Who knows? I do. All do right. You, you do. Uh- I do. (laughs) Maria has figured out that Alex sent the emails that they still came from New Mexico, just not Roswell. And they realize it it came from, you know, that she's been able to find out it came from the university. So she and Liz pack everything up and are going to go, they're going to go on a road trip to go to this university to do some digging. And as they open the door to leave with all of their like stuff, Michael is standing there at the door and he's like, where are you going? And again, it's an interrogation, interrogation, interrogation. And Liz has an answer for everything. Like, where are you going? Oh, we're going to go see Alex's grandma because she couldn't come to the, she couldn't come to the funeral. Like she has answers for everything. And, uh, Michael's like, (laughs) Michael is just like, I got to talk to Maria. It's personal. And Liz is like, Oh, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Maria, let me take your stuff. And as she walks out, she just maintains eye contact with Maria the entire time to the point that she's like falling over her Don't feet. Don't be suspicious. And I know she's, Don't be suspicious. I know she's tel- telepathically telling Maria, Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Um, because you remember in season one, they were worried about Maria spilling the beans to the sheriff about the aliens. Nothing, just And headlines. so it's. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a fun little throwback to Maria not really being super good at secrets, lying or whatever. But um, but uh, he he starts asking Maria the same thing, and she's giving him all the right answers. And he's like, "Listen, 
I know Liz doesn't want to tell me because she and Max are at war. Like that's how he puts it is that they're at war. And he says, if you tell me, I won't tell Max. I just want to make sure you are safe. It is dangerous out there. And he's, he has very good reasons for wanting to know, not just like, tell me because I'm your boyfriend and you should tell me everything. It's tell me because I want to keep you safe. Like he has very good reasons for it. Who, who could have assumed he would be the most emotionally mature character by this season? He has mm-hmm. learned a lot from Maria, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I trust him. I would trust him to lead more than I would trust Max because, mm-hmm. <laughs> listeners, I am so sorry that all I do now is hate Max all the time. Uh, <laughs> it looks like he's going to be the Moash of this, <laughs> of this show. <laughs> Again, it's it's. It's what we were talking about, that Max is expecting everyone to do, do what he asks because he asks them. And he is worried for Liz's safety during this investigation, so he just tells her not to do it. And mm-hmm. Michael, who's worried for Maria's safety, instead is like, hey, you can do it. I'm your backup. If you're in trouble, you call me. Which mm-hmm. is a much... I don't know, My love like, is not fragile. Ugh! Hey, <laughs> I just got punched in the heart by that quote, and I've forgotten where it's from, but I know that I know it. It's Frozen 2. for frozen too <laughs> but if i'm not on the team for frozen three i am going to flip my lid <laughs> <gasps> i have oh. thoughts opinions and feelings both positive and negative about frozen and i just want to help and get involved <laughs> I, this will also come as no surprise. I bawled my way through Frozen 2. I cry through a lot of things now that I think about it. <laughs> but the whole like, listen, everyone has their opinions about Frozen 2 and we are not going to get into it. But the idea of you are the one you've been waiting for all of your life. And I'm just like sitting there like crying like, yes, this is it. So, so here's the thing. I didn't like the ending of Frozen 2 at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now that there's going to be a Frozen 3, I like it more. I just, okay. I wouldn't have wanted the story to end with the sisters separated. Um, Just kind of going off again on how great Michael is, is when he's trying to convince her, like, hey, you need to tell me where you're going just so I can keep you safe. And she looks at him. She goes, if I tell you this, and basically Liz finds out, I will lose her as a friend. And Michael knows that's not just Maria being hyperbolic. He knows, like, this absolutely will happen. And so he promises that he won't, you know, he's not going to say anything. He's just like, please tell me at the first sign of danger, this is great. So. Yeah. 
it's good communication in a relationship saying i need this i need this okay here's our compromise oh so good it's so good oh why is it so hard to find a relationship like that I am single because apparently the only good men are fictional. Are fictional. What, you think there's any good women out there? Sure, they profess fealty and love forever. And then when you're lecturing out of town, she runs off to Brazil with your mate. (laughs) So we get to see, we get to see Michael, again, being the best, because uh, he and Max, it's the next day at school, are standing in line for the yearbooks and max looks super twitchy like he looks like he's a druggie who's like itching for the next hit um and he's like liz and maria aren't in school today where are they michael where are they and michael's like i have no idea dude like he lies straight to max's face compared with liz and maria where maria's saying if you tell this i will lose my best friend and i would consider max to be michael's best friend and he just straight up lies to him it's wonderful yeah because, okay, 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 listeners, remember back in season one, <laughs> when Michael was in an abusive home, and he could lean on Max for, every, for, you know, a place to crash and everything, but he couldn't lean on Max for everything, right? Like, there was some stuff that was just too horrible to trust Max with. Or, you know, stuff with Hank that he didn't want Max to know. And so I feel that Max, from all the help that he gave Michael since they were kids, he sees this as, oh, yeah, we have no secrets from each other. We're 100% open about everything. And Michael, who, while Max was taking care of him, Michael knows that emotionally there's things about his life that Max couldn't handle. And he protected him from that or... Listen, I don't think protection was the way because it was stuff that, like, Michael was embarrassed about. But Michael knows that, like, there's parts of my life that Max could handle and parts of my life that Max could not or I didn't want him to. And so he's got this really strong, divided set of, like, here's what Max can know and here's what Max cannot. And Max finding out about this is like, betrayal! No one listens to me! How am I supposed to be king if you're all such rebels? And I love Michael and I hate Max. That's the conclusion of this. That was a great conclusion. And Max is all mad. He's like, like, I don't have enough to deal with. Now they're missing. Um, but they open up the your job. You're king of the aliens. And it's very clear you hate humans. This isn't your business. <laughs> uh, Max picks up his yearbook opens up to you know that's what you do you open it up and look at your picture only it's a picture of an alien where he is supposed to be and max you can tell is really angry about it and he looks up and he sees isabel and kyle laughing and i can't decide what would be i mean i know what would be worse but i don't know if they only did it to his yearbook or if they did it to every single yearbook um I think it'd be hilarious if you I know, think they she just has the power to, to do it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I and I love it, and I think uh, I think they deserve to be known by those names forever and always. <laughs> Was that the last goof? Was there another goof? There's another one during the test. There's a fire drill. Oh, and, and she's... they glue his. Yeah. So there's a fire drill. 
I would have said real fire. And Isabel uses her molecular magic to stick Max's feet to the floor so he can't leave during the fire drill. And the teacher yells at him. And then there's a scene where Isabel, like, walks in and she's staring at him dramatically in the doorway. And I think this moment was supposed to be, like, a metaphor of, like, hey, Max, I feel stuck in Roswell. You stuck me here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but you then stuck after that. Me here. Yeah. And after that, Isabel kind of loses her taste for the vengeance, for the violence. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I can't stay mad at you. That's not what she says, <laughs> but that's what it felt like. I would have stayed mad forever. I do not yeah. forgive easy, dear listeners. If you get on my regret list, you are there. My good opinion once lost is lost forever. <laughs> yeah, listen... I, I'm trying to think what, what someone could, would have to do to me for me to, like, quote-unquote, hate them forever. And it would just be, like, I do not what? have to imagine. I have people on my list already. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I will tell you guys, please use this power wisely and responsibly, a.k.a. don't ever do it. Um, if someone tells me what to do, and I mean, like, over and over and over, like, interrupts my life to like tell me you should be doing this instead I will go full nuclear I don't do not tell me what to do do not boss me around do if I come and ask for advice please I would love some I would love advice but there are several people in my life who just love to tell me that I'm doing the wrong things and I should be doing something else and it takes everything in me not to smack him upside the head. But have you just considered bringing your resume places? Just, oh. you know, just printing out your resume just and then... pop in. Yeah. When does not just pop in on the Earth King? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's like one of my biggest hot buttons is being told what to do. In like a way that's like, I know better than you. And I'm like, I'm not going to say how old I am on this podcast. I mean, you guys can probably infer, but I'm just like, I'm an adult. If I make a mistake, it is my mistake and I will own it. And I will probably have a lot of fun doing it. But uh, stop telling me what to do. But if you wanted, you could submit your art for that mural. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to send you the info right now? You no. want it? Okay, I'll send it to you. Because I'm do you have a picture that you want to do right now? Yeah, I okay, yeah. You can turn it in. I, I'll send you the information. I'm sorry. I am an actual Hollywood director. I do not <laughs> want to submit my art for an Arizona mural. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so next storyline. Liz, let's talk Liz and Maria. Mm-hmm. They go to... Alex was just like at a college. Yep. He had a dorm. Yeah, he like lived there, and it's uh, they're they're trying to get information from somebody else who lived in the dorm. So Emily, you had you had an apartment at Rick's. Did you ever live in like a dorm dorm style housing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, from what I remember, it was required that all freshmen live on campus the first semester or two. Um, so I did live on the dorms. Uh, there were two different kinds. There was a cooking dorm. And that held four people. And then there was a non-cooking dorm and that held six people. And I did the cooking one because like, I don't know, the idea of not having a kitchen is really weird to me. 
Like, they, uh-huh. I mean, there's places on campus you can go buy food and you'd have a meal plan and everything. But the idea of not being able to control what I made was yeah. really weird to me. And I was like, I do not want to do this. So the, it's the opposite of my school where the cooking dorm held six people. And mm. the, the normal dorms held between two and four people. Um, and I say dorms, but I was more like we were in apartment buildings with, with the, the cooking ones. And then mm-hmm. the dorm itself was the kind that had, like, shared bathroom, like, public bathroom spaces and things, which mm. I wouldn't mind being in a non-cooking dorm. But if I couldn't have, like, access to a bathroom in the place I live. Listen, where I live now, I have two bathrooms and I use them for two different things. <laughs> <laughs> or just, like, when the mood strikes. So, anyway. Uh, I You get better light in one than the other. That is true. Because one of them has a window and one of them don't. Zint. Don't zint. (laughs) (laughs) So while they are at this college campus and they're touring around, all of a sudden, Emily, who is at this cool college campus singing? It's Nelly Furtado. And I was like, who is that? And then she started singing, I'm like a bird, I love to fly away. And I'm like, okay, that's her. But there are, I will say, there are very, very, very few singers that if I was just walking by and I saw them, I would know who mm-hmm. they are. Like, I yeah. would assume it was a cover band before assuming it was an actual artist I knew. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so the, listen, I'm going to not show my age, but I'm going to definitely show my preference. Uh-huh. Um so they would bring in a lot of performers uh, to the college that I went to uh, and would open it, obviously, to the community. People could come, you know, listen to it. And the biggest one that I remember ever being there was Donny Osmond. And I went, none of my roommates wanted to go, which I totally get why. But my aunt introduced me to Donny Osmond as a young child. And I've just, I love his voice. I just love it. She and so I went to the concert. upon him as if she were a baby bird. <laughs> It's true. Um, And so I went to that concert and I remember being amazed at how many moms were there (laughs) with like signs and t-shirts that said like, I love you, Donnie. It was just really, really fun. But in the concert, uh, Nelly Furtado is not the only person they see that they recognize, Megan. Who else? Oh my gosh. It's Leanna who is not Mm -hmm. Leanna. (laughs) Yeah. And they start to chase her down to the soundtrack of Nelly Furtado's concert. Mm-hmm. And then who do they run into while they're chasing her down? Who's here? It's Michael. It's Michael. He's here. But aren't, does he just, he does he just like run up to them? Because they're chasing this girl, chasing this girl, chasing this girl. And uh, the it's the famous, the famous shot that happens in a lot of movies of, um, they're standing on the other side of the sidewalk the and then like a car goes in front of them and then they're gone but they think that she has they think that she has um i'm assuming she got on that bus it wasn't like a school bus it was like a like a greyhound type bus straight italian greyhound is that star kid no it's um a song called straight italian greyhound and it's Mm. one of the magnus archives fandom songs uh michael's there they tell him everything and in the meantime uh liz starts going and interviewing the people that alex may have run into because i think he was there under a false name 
and his roommate was like he was really weird he never left the apartment building he ordered thai food like three times a day like it was just a really like he was a really weird kid and so liz is starting to do the different like like interviewing the different people and trying to get them to look up projects that alex was running and you guys my brain is rotting away over the magnus archives right now <laughs> like i don't even think i was this into it the first time i listened to it but a uh, friend of the pod and guest co-host dilly is listening to it and so she'll she's doing honestly the most amazing thing someone can do for me and every four or five episodes, she'll type up, here's what's happening in the show now. Here's what I think of all these episodes. Here are all of my theories. And I'm like, I'm getting like a literal power up from reading these. So Dilly, <laughs> thank you. I love it. Dilly, you're a better sister than I am. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> because I, well, she has done 16 episodes of a podcast with us. You and I have done probably close to 180 episodes yeah yeah i think so she might be a better sister than i am though <laughs> no, that's not true she's her own thing honorary sister honorary sister so uh michael is getting antsy about spending time here and he's telling them that it's too dangerous and they need to leave and maria is like eh, okay and liz again stands up and says you can't tell me what to do like Here's the thing that I'm loving about season two, Liz, is she takes no prisoners. She does not put up with anything from anyone. And the thing is, like, good for her. You, like, you shouldn't be able to tell, you shouldn't tell other people what to do. And I'm so proud of her for standing up and saying, no, I'm going to see this through. I don't care how dangerous it is. I just, Liz, so good, so good. And the good thing she didn't give up because uh, someone finds out what Alex was working on and it was uh, how to decode the alien language. What? Uh-huh. Okay, I have questions. Okay. One, was Alex lying about Sweden? Mm-hmm. Or was he mind-controlled and really thought he'd been there? Okay. Like, like, is, is this the sort of thing where the FBI has hired a high school student to work for them? Ah. Uh, two, why Alex? Like, like, specifically, why does Alex, why is he the smartest one smart enough to decode this? And I just have questions. This is a mystery. Then they're giving me clues and I'm unraveling it and I get to make guesses instead of just being like, yeah, here's a bunch of numbers we put together. We've decided it means this. It's like, no, craft a mystery. Craft it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, anyway, I'm, enjoy <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I know it's probably not obvious from my tone of voice where I'm like, what does it all mean? But I, I can love this sort of stuff. Michael is so excited about this because that's what he's wanted to do. All of a sudden, we're back to Michael might get answers, you know, for, for his life. And... They're like, great, can we have the file he was working on? He's just like, oh, he deleted it, but he did email it to someone. And they realize he, Alex emailed it to uh, the person who's pretending to be Leanna. And so what they do is they go to her dorm, trick her roommate into letting them into uh, her dorm room and find her address. And, or find an address. Uh, because she's not here in the 
she's not here at the school so they steal her mail which is a crime don't do that um but they they do find a, a bank statement it's not a crime if someone else did a crime first oh okay they is that how, it just out. like cancels each other okay that's good to know that is some good solid legal advice please yeah. come to us for all of your needs <laughs> uh, i'm sure they talk about it on let's go to court if someone does a crime to you first it's totally fine to do a crime back to them <laughs> a crime for a crime <laughs> a crime for a crime so so they go out to the property and it is basically i mean it's a shell of a house all the windows are busted out. There's garbage everywhere. There's a giant fridge, which Meg, I was pretty sure you thought there might be a body in there. I definitely did. I'm like, this exact scenario happened in Bones, and they found a head <laughs> in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And then a bomb in a table, but I don't think that is connected here. Well, they do find a bomb. What? They do? How did they, they get do. a bomb? Because they explode? walk in. Right, yes. right. They use, sorry. Um, I remember now, Michael uses alien magics to throw it away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they walk into a room that has all this computer equipment, and there's this, like, hovering triangle, and it's beeping, and, yeah, like you said, Michael uses his powers, throws it out the window, and when it explodes, it's like a, almost like a firework, like there's an afterglow of, like, a, a symbol. And I think it was, like, you know, I mean, obviously someone left it there, you know, if anyone were to find it, everything would be destroyed. But they're able to print out the English translation. And as they're looking around, Michael also finds like this crystal, you know, that they bring with them. But it's, they realize like Leanna has the answers, but now so do they. Like they can take this back as proof that something weird was going on with Alex. And, and, and I can't believe they've translated the whole book. All right. Now it's time to talk about the pregnancy storyline, right? Yeah, it's your favorite. I'm going to let you do it. No. Okay. <laughs> so, in this episode, <laughs> uh-huh. um, they go to the pod bay, <laughs> open the pod bay doors, Hal, uh, and they're looking at this alien book. Where, where, and Max actually says in this scene, if we knew how to read it, we'd probably have all the answers about us. So mm-hmm. hopefully they will get a chance to crack open the what to expect when you're expecting an alien baby. Um, <laughs> because it has pictures of a baby in there, if you remember from season one. It does. It does have pictures of a baby. Um, they do have the the question of uh, a woman's right to choose whether or not she's going to have the baby. And Tess is like, definitely yes. Mm-hmm. And it hits Max, like, a little hard where he's like, I'll support you whatever you decide. It's your choice. And she's like, I'm having, I'm, I'm going to have the baby. And he just, like, stands up and walks away. And she's like, <laughs> thank you. And he's like, listen, my entire life changed overnight. I'm entitled to get a little freaked. And she's like, am I not? And once again, Maxwell Evans does not realize that other people have internal lives and feelings beyond mm-hmm. what they display. It's like he he only believes that people feel what they show him. And he mm-hmm. doesn't know anything else. Anyway, yeah. because this is a super fast, mega, super, mega fast pregnancy, Tess is already getting kicked by the baby. And there, um, Max just opens up her shirt to look at her stomach. 
<laughs> and there's a little glowing handprint on the inside <laughs> of Tess's stomach. Yep. And Max communicates with the baby. Yes. And a tragedy because he realizes the baby is sick because the baby cannot survive in Earth's atmosphere. Listeners, there's something I want to tell you about this scene, but I can't tell you yet. So hopefully, like, six months from now, I'll remember But I can't talk about it right now. But just know, I was screaming during this baby scene because of something obliquely connected. (laughs) (laughs) But they are getting really, really worried because, again, they're sure that if they had the if they had the book and they could read it, that they could they could figure out what how to save the baby. It's because things are really, really dire. Yeah. And that's when we cut to the concert at the. (laughs) At the college. So, like, that's the tonal shift in this episode. Um, So, Emily, would you like to talk about the parallels between, like, we've mentioned it a bit, but Twilight and this show? Yeah, I would be very interested if Stephanie Meyer had watched this and if this had, like, inspired some of it. Like, I was, I was talking with a friend the other day and she has written this, she's written a book and it's beautiful and amazing and it's spectacular. And she said she'd gone back after she'd written this whole book, it had taken her years, uh, she'd gone back to reread a childhood book of hers that she had loved as a child, but obviously hadn't read it for like a decade or so. And she's like, as she read it, she could see plot points from her book in it. Not like exact word for word or anything like that, but she's like, by the end, there's this thing from the finale and this thing from the finale. And this just really like, like immersed itself into my subconscious sort of a thing. Uh so I've done this a couple times with mm-hmm. shows that haven't come out yet. Um, so I had a movie that uh, I was developing with DreamWorks and we were working on it for like nine months on and off um, until I could pitch it to the president of the studio at the time. And <laughs> I pitched it to her in November. And then two weeks later, Moana came out and I had pretty much written Moana (laughs) Um, without the cultural touchstones, of course, but it was about a girl who lived on an island who wanted to uh, run off, explore the world and have an adventure. And her parents were like, no, you know, already kind of a, kind of a a given fantasy trope, but it was a girl who lived on an island. And then there was a magical spirit that we thought was hostile and a monster and turned out to be benevolent plant lady And there was also an ancestor who had died but came back to her in the form of a glowing animal. And it was a musical. And (laughs) I had, with absolutely no contact from anyone at the Disney studio, (laughs) written Moana. (laughs) And DreamWorks, of course, said, we're not making Moana part two. I'm sorry, we're canceling this project. And I was devastated. Devastated. Your poor professional life where you're just so good at telling the future, but just not quite far enough in the future. (laughs) Uh, Another time. This is about, this is a lot more recent. This is probably just about three years ago. I was pitching projects to Nickelodeon and I'd brought them like three or four to be like, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? And Mm -hmm. I have this story I absolutely love and I'm going to make someday. It's called Star Garden Echo. And Mm -hmm. it is about a group of kids who are on a 
uh, a spaceship that houses a bunch of scientists and their families. So there's like a lot of adults and kids on the ship. And in the pilot, all of the adults get captured by pirates. But the kids are able to steal the ship and fly off. And, and the kids have to finish the grown-ups mission. So it's... And as I'm pitching it, I'm like, this is based off my love for Star Trek and how much I love Star Trek as a kid. And I went to Star Trek camps and this is what it felt like being a kid in charge of an important mission at Star Trek camp. And mm -hmm. when I finished, you know, because, you know, I'm pitching three different things. So this is like a speed round. When I finished that one, the Nickelodeon execs kind of look at me and go, so we have a project in a house that's already a little similar to Star Trek for kids. And I'm like, OK, well, that's fine. That makes sense. Uh, about six months later, they announced Star Trek Prodigy, which is literal <laughs> Star Trek for kids, with, with kids running a spaceship. And I'm like, that's fair. So, do you know what? I think it's only surface similarities, and I think Star Garden Echo is very different from Prodigy, but I'm, listen, we never lose when there's more Star Trek. I that's love true. Star Trek. I, Emily, did you know that I am a Star Trek director? Oh, you know that I, I what? When did that happen? Just like my coworker Jonathan Franks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, all of this has happened. Baby is sick. Oh no. Uh, uh Max has a complete breakdown. He's trying to take the trash out. And it's just one of those things where like it's just like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And he ends up like throwing the trash everywhere outside and, and Isabel comes up and and uh, they have not called a truce yet. And so he's very wary of this because of all the pranks she's played on him. But this is where he tells her Tess is pregnant and he's yeah. crying like he is. He's like, my, my life has changed. I don't know what to tell mom and dad. Like they don't know about this part of my life. You know, he's like, I'm like a stranger to them. And. Listen, I understand that this, uh, like, I do feel sympathy for Max here. But like Megan, I'm oh. also sad that people just forgive him. Yeah, because guess what? Um, listen, everybody's complex, and there's no, like, strict 100% thing as a truly good person and a truly bad person. Um mm -hmm. Although there are people who can be very good and people who can be very bad. A lot of times, stuff doesn't happen to you because of how you are morally. Stuff just happens. All the time, everywhere. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's... I'm very, very worried. Now, granted, we have two more episodes in the season, so we may be able to talk this through. And while Isabel has forgiven... Well, while Isabel is, like, setting aside what Max has done for now... Um, I think there may be a lot more discussions with Liz and Max in the future. So we'll see if Max learns a lesson about emotions and not just, I've been struck down karmically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. That's what's up. Oh, yeah. So they go to a park and Isabel makes it snow because she's honestly the most powerful person on the planet right now, except for maybe Lonnie. And listeners, it's time for me to reiterate my theory that Tess is not Tess. Tess is Lonnie. Lonnie mm -hmm. is posing as Tess 
and telepathically fooling Max with this fake baby nonsense. And uh, I am a little concerned that the real Tess is tied up somewhere, kidnapped, and all of Liz's efforts to distance herself from Max and be nicer to Tess have been for naught because Tess has been kidnapped out of the story. <laughs> they still have to be nice to Tess. <laughs> um, yeah, she, you know, she and, and Max, you know, Isabel and Max kind of, you know, bury the hatchet and, and talk about like, you know, terrible things that happen actually might not be terrible things that happen. You know, talking about the pregnancy, which I think is a little rude, but whatever. Um, and that's when Michael shows up with a full printout of the book. The and book. they were like, the book. <laughs> and, and, you know, just saying like, this is, this is what Alex was working on. And they were like, what does it say? What does it say? And the last shot is uh, Max saying, it's a way to, it's how we get home. It's, right. it's a map. Yeah. Because cause, cause they got to get the baby off the planet. Yeah. Yeah. The baby's, the baby's not doing good. And, and now, uh, that's... Yes? This reinforces my suspicion that Tess is not Tess. Okay. Um, because Lonnie wants to go back to Homeworld. And so mm -hmm. Lonnie will do anything to get Max to go with her because her first assumption didn't work. So... I, listen, I hope I'm right about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Emily has given me no indication, yes or no, because she has a great poker face. She's very good at podcasting. So we're just going to have to, like, wait till the next episode to find out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Meg, the next episode is season two, episode 20, Off what? the Menu. The Menu? Off the Menu. Off the Menu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tess is going to have weird pregnancy cravings. Okay. And she wants blood. And they put it in a styrofoam cup. And they put it in a... <laughs> Emily, <laughs> I need you to Google something because I'm afraid to. Okay, I'm ready. Can you Google, has Stephanie Meyer seen Roswell? Uh, there's, a, there's a blog, Twilight versus Roswell. Roswell and Twilight, similarities between Pilot and Twilight, Roswell got compared to the pop culture phenomenon Twilight, uh, Roswell reunion, did Twilight rip them off? This is from like 2008, 2014, 2010, 2020, so we're not the only ones. We're not okay. the only ones who've seen this, who've seen those similarities. I would be interested to see if there are more similarities. Right. Um, so is this the second to last episode of the season? Is this just going to be a filler episode oh, with food no. shenanigans? No, okay. this is set up, set up, set up. Although we are going to have a goofy storyline with, well, they've killed off one of our comedic relief characters. So I'm going to say the Kyle and his dad are going to have a goofy storyline next episode. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, 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 wait. Okay. So Kyle what? and his dad are going to be taking care of a pregnant test next episode. Oh, cute. Because I love it. we know they struggle with women's issues, and I think that would be a funny situation <laughs> to put them in. But we're going to watch and record the next one right away. I'm so excited. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, 
Well, that's what we're going to do. And because in the meantime, I should be working on my book. I already forgot what I said. Now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm got to sleep. But now it's episode 20. Take a nap right here. (laughs) All right, listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And I love you. Thank you. Because you know what? I know that I've been a bit of a doubting Thomas on Roswell, but I want you to know that I do believe in you. I believe in you. Ah, Ready? Break. listeners who tuned in to my sister made me view at the roswell 1999 edition uh this episode came out on thursday like we said it would uh, just because it's a couple hours to midnight it still counts it totally still counts anyway megan and i went on family vacation earlier last week and i mean we had a fun time our parents had been out of the country for quite a while and so we got everybody back together we went to the beach and i got the stupidest sunburn of all time. I got sunburned except for where my sunglasses were on my face. And uh, I've looked pretty dumb the last few days. And um, you guys can't see it, but just imagine it. Anyways, uh, special thanks to Michael B. and Cardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. Uh, Thank you again for letting us use this on all of our podcasts. We really appreciate you. If you enjoyed this podcast, guess what? Good news! There's more! You can listen to our Way of Kings. Actually, okay. It's called the Stormlight Archives, and it's by Brandon Sanderson. Have you heard of him? Anyways, it's uh, we have finished the Way of Kings. We're currently on Words of Radiance, and the next episode for that one goes up next Thursday, a week from today. And we are also starting up our miscellaneous feed again. We already have the miscellaneous feed out, and it has all uh, 10 episodes of Our Flag Means Death. The next series we are doing is One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. It is a book that I picked. That one's my pick about a plus-size woman who is picked to be on a Bachelor-type show, kind of changing the world. So good. Uh, And then what we're doing immediately after One to Watch is The Guest, which is a Korean horror TV show. This is why it's called miscellaneous and not anything cohesive because we are just basically throwing spaghetti at the wall because we love spaghetti and that's what we're going to do with it. I hope that everyone's week has gone well. Again, thank you to everyone who comes and listens, who uh, writes in, who, you know, tells us how much they enjoy the show. You guys just give us a boost. We would be doing this even if no one listened to it, but just to know that people like it just, just, you know, makes us feel good. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to rate and review. If you have a moment and you want to do something really nice for us, you can go to iTunes. Um, I don't know if you can do rating and review on Google Play. I don't know. Uh, I'm an Apple girl myself. So we are on Apple uh, iTunes. We are on Google Play. We are on Spotify. Um, I'm not sure where else we are, but we're, we're all those places. And you can go and uh, uh, rate and review us and let us know what you think. And we just really appreciate you guys. And I hope that you have a great week and that you get everything that you want and that 
you know, things go well. Just remember, we believe in you.